so I guess he's gonna be All right, so we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and jump into the second lesson here. Uh, I guess we're waiting for some people to come. Give me a head nod if we're waiting for some. Okay. I just Richard and I were talking during the break that like <clears throat> when whenever Kirby made uh, the flyers like to hand out like I re- and I don't know if like she noticed this or not but like I really appreciated the fact that my name wasn't on it and like because it's supposed to be like the voice of God like oh, wisdom from Proverbs the voice of God and so we were just talking about the idea like this isn't like me even though you're hearing me talk this is God's wisdom here and so again it's just it's just neat and it's encouraging uh, to be able to do that and to be able to just jump into these lessons and, and see what Solomon is saying about different things. So we just spent a little bit of time. Uh, does anybody, if anybody needs some Bibles, just wanted to know that there are some Bibles here in the back. There are also worksheets in the back, kind of like the outline for what we're doing with the lessons. And there should be writing utensils as well, just in case, if you, just in case you, don't have, you don't have any of those. <clears throat> so this first lesson, we, ju- we just looked at the idea of what God's wisdom says and what the book of Proverbs says about family and relationships and how we ought to treat one another, different principles for those things. The second lesson will kind of be, I mean, just different because they're three different topics. Uh, but I want us to look at what God says or God's wisdom says about finances and what God's wisdom says about money. Because I think that there are generally two different train of thoughts uh, as, far of, as far as money is concerned. There's one train of thought where people say money is awful and you should never have money because it is wicked. Well, no, we won't see that because that's just not true. The love of money is, is evil and that's, not, that's, that's what you don't want. But there's also... There's other sense where, and this is a quote, this is not mine, but I, heard, I once heard a guy say that the last thing that people convert to the Lord is their wallets, you know, which is something we need to be thinking about. Um, so so if, as kind of we start, so I want us to kind of in the same way we started the last lesson, look at the foundation. So there's a kind of, kind of there's going to be a foundational verse. So I want us to turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. <clears throat> And see what he says here. He says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your crops. So again, as we we think about this and we think about the foundation, he says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. Well, what does that look like? You know, why why does it, like, why do we need to do this? What what are some advantages? It's interesting, though. Uh, I don't know if you've realized this or not, or if you read this or not, that he says this. He says in chapter 3, verse 9, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your crops. And do you notice, if you just go a couple of verses behind it, what he says? In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, he says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. And then, two verses later, he says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. <clears throat> Again, so, so, so here's the thing, right? And we're, as we go through this lesson, you can kind of see it. What I want us to go through is talk, talk about the, what the what Proverbs says about the, the, the advantages and the disadvantages of money or, or finances. And talk about the idea that like, money isn't always better. Money isn't bad. But it isn't always the best thing. And then we're going to talk about how to make the most of our finances or how to make the most of our money. But it all has to be rooted around this idea here in chapter 3, verse 9. That what we're seeking to do as God-seeking people, as people who want to know the Lord and figure out how to please God, is that we need to learn to honor God with our wealth. Because that's what trusting in the Lord looks like. 
That trusting in the Lord with all your heart, that's what that looks like. It's not just this confession, it's not just this thought, it's not just this, I, I, I guess I trust Him, or yeah, I trust Him and nothing manifests itself. It means that you're trusting in Him, so you're not trusting in something else. You're not trusting in anything else. You're going to trust in God. So again, as, as we think about this, this has to be the foundational verse here. That what we're seeking to do is honor the Lord with our wealth. But money isn't a bad thing. And the book of Proverbs talks about money not in, in some positives or in, in a good ad, in a good light. If you look at chapter 10, verse 15, <clears throat> you look at what he says in chapter 10, verse 15, you see that it brings security. That's the first point that you kind of, in your boxes, you'll have the pros and the cons. That one of the pros there is that money brings security. It says the wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. In chapter 13, verse 8, he says, The ransom of a man's life is his wealth, but the poor hears no rebuke. Again, the idea that money brings security. In chapter 14, verse 20, he says, The poor are shunned even by their neighbors, but the rich have many friends. In chapter 19, verse 4, he says, Wealth adds many friends, but a poor man is separated from his friend. So, as far as like we look at the book of Proverbs and some advantages to money or some advantages to having like good finances is that it brings security and it brings friends. And so you kind of like, if you look like directly to the right of that, if you look at the cons box, there are a little bit more cons to money here in the book of Proverbs. And I want us to look at, I want us to look at that. But before we did that, I did want to start with the advantages because I want to, again, just reiterate the point that I don't think that Solomon is saying that money is wicked and that money is evil but it's the love of money that will drive us to wickedness. And this is the first thing. The first con is that money can often make us trust in money and not in God. Look at chapter 11, verse 28. Go ahead and turn there. Uh, chapter 11, verse 28. He says, He who trusts in his riches will fall. But the righteous will flourish like the green leaf. In chapter 18, verses 10 and 11, he says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city, and a high wall is his own imagination. Again, the idea here is that money provides security, but often that security is what we end up trusting in. And we trust in money, we trust in our possessions, we trust in what we have, and we disregard God. Remember, the righteous will flourish like the green leaf. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. And that's where we find our security. Money often also makes us forget about God. In chapter 30, so that second box there, in chapter 30, verses 7 through 9, Chapter 30, verses 7 through 9. <clears throat> Solomon says, Two things I asked of you. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion, that I may not be fool and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or that I may not be in want and steal and profane the name of of my God. Do you see that the part there about like where the having too much money can be a bad thing? Because it makes us forget about God. And, and, and notice what he says there. He doesn't say, God, give me nothing. He says, Lord, neither leave me in poverty 
nor make me rich. Just give me my daily bread. So again, the cons is that we'll, we'll, we'll trust in our money and we won't trust in God. And with that, you kind of get the, forget, the forgetting of God. But money also kind of makes us prideful. In chapter 28, verse 11, chapter 28, verse 11, he says, The rich man is wise in his own eyes, but the poor who has understanding sees through him. And again, we, and like this may not be us, but we know people, whether celebrities or our bosses or someone, like people who have and who have a lot, and they think that they're better than those who have less. Well, that's, that's pride that comes from possessions. And that's pride that's created through having and wanting more money. And so again, money forget makes us view, sorry, the, the, this idea of like the, the con of money is that it makes us trust in, trust in that and not trust in God. We often forget about God. It creates pride. And notice what he says in chapters, chapter 11, verse 1. He says, chapter 11, verse 1, he says, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Chapter 16, verse 11, he says again, A just balance and scales belong to the Lord. All the weights of the bag are, are, are his concern. Chapter 20, verse 10, he says, Different weights and measure and differing measures, both are abominable to the Lord. Verse 23, Differing weights are an abomination to the Lord, and a false scale is not good. Chapter 10, verse 2, and I know all these verses sound weird, and it's like, what is he saying there? Differing weights, different scales, false balances, what does that mean? Chapter 10, verse 2, ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value, but righteousness delivers from death. It says cruelty of lesser, which is kind of what I had to put to fit it in the box. But really the idea is that money corrupts, because you're going to want more. And you're going to, like, to, to, to want more? There are people who do wrong things. And so that chapter 10, verse 2, ill-gotten treasures, they have no value. Because often for people to get more, they have to oppress those who have less. And that's what money does. So what money, what, what money can do again is that it makes you trust in it and not trust in God. It makes you forget about God. It creates pride. It, 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 it makes us cruel towards those who have less than us. It creates greed. Money creates greed. Again, that chapter, that chapter 10, verse 2, the ill-gotten treasures have no value, have no lasting value, but righteousness delivers from death. Money creates this greed attitude, this greed heart. And, 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 and that leads to chapter 22, verse 7. Because money and this love of money is often the doorway to death. Chapter 22, verse 7. He says, the rich rules the poor, and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. Debt, and like when people are in debt, and maybe this is you, but, and for different ways, but like some, a lot of people are in really bad credit card debt, or really bad debt with this thing or that thing. And it's because it's, just, it's a heart filled with greed. They want, they want, they want, they want to live on more than they have. And so they're willing to just get more credit cards and it just creates debt. And we need to be careful because he says that the borrower, what you are when you borrow, is you're a slave. Because you're a slave to whoever lent you money. And that's a con. That's not a good thing. That's a disadvantage 
of money. Can you think about why people want to do this? Like why people want to live this way in chapter 13, verse 7? <clears throat> think about why people borrow, why people are in debt. He says, one person pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. A lot of people are in debt because they want to pretend to be something that they're not. Pretend to have things that they can't really afford. Pretend to have things that they can't really have. And this is what it is. Like This is how he describes it. They look rich, but they don't have anything. And it's interesting because some of the people that like actually have wealth, they learn to live modestly. And that, that needs to be the idea there. And the idea, again, is that there, there are just limits to money. That's kind of the big con of all of it. And this is the point of everything. Chapter 11, verse 4, is that riches do not, promise, do not profit in the day of wrath. But righteousness delivers from death. And there's that point. The richest man in the world and the poorest man in the world, they're both at some point going to stand before God. And God isn't going to judge them by how big their bank, their bank accounts were. God will judge them by how righteous they were. There's no buying your way into heaven. And so we can't put our trust into that. There's no buying a relationship with God. And so we can't put our trust in that. Again, there are some disadvantages to money. And it's not just that there are some disadvantages to money and I'm trying to like sell you that that's bad. But Solomon will even say that there are things that are better than money. And again, like for, for so many people and often for us, money's are, are, it's, it's the endeavor. It's what we want. It's what we need. And Solomon will say, well, there are some things that might be a little bit better than that. Notice chapter 19, verse 14. He says, house, house and wealth are inherited, if you, don't, if you don't have it, it's just on the worksheet there. He says, house and wealth are inherited from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Do you notice what's better than money here? A good wife is. In chapter 16, verse 8, he says, Better is little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. You know what else is better than money? Being righteous. In chapter 22, verse 1, he says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. You know what else is better than money? A good reputation. And lastly, and most importantly, chapter 15, verse 16, he says, Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. There are some things that are just so much better than money. And so what we shouldn't do is we shouldn't compromise these things for that desire of money. There are people <clears throat> who compromise on a spouse for money, for money's sake. And those of you who have good spouses, and you don't have a lot of money, you can choose. I mean, like you, you'd appreciate your good spouse. There's people who compromise being righteous, who lie at work and lie on their taxes and lie on different things, who compromise being righteous for the sake of money. And it's just not worth it. There are people who, who rather have a terrible reputation and have a lot of money. It's just not worth it. And there are people who don't serve God because of money. 
And again, it just it's not worth it. There's a story in the New Testament, in Luke chapter 19, or Luke chapter 18, excuse me, where Jesus is talking to a young man, and this young man has a lot of riches. And the young man wants to serve God. And the young man says, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, keep the commandments. And he says, well, Master, I've done these things since my youth. I've done all these things since my youth. What else do I lack? And Jesus says, one thing you lack. Give all that you have to the poor and follow me. And the sad thing in that story is that he walks away from Jesus. He walks away from God. And it's because he wasn't willing to give up what he had to follow after God. And as we think about the things that are better, so that story happened thousands of years ago. Those, and, and I don't know, I'm not God, I can't judge. I, but his riches, how good are they now for him? They had no lasting value. Whereas those people who gave up what they had, Zacchaeus in the very next chapter, who gave up what he had, what lasting value did he have? It's much greater because we get to be with the Lord. So don't compromise these things for money. So we've seen the foundation of finances, the idea that the, the, the basis of what we're trying to do is we're trying to trust the Lord with all of our hearts. And so that means that we honor him with our wealth. We've seen some of the pros of money because, again, it's not a bad thing. It provides security. It allows you to feed your kids and, and have a home. Those are things that we need to have. Like Those are necessities. It also brings friends, which is a good thing to have. But then there are also cons. And we've seen that the idea that money isn't always better. There are things that are just better than money. Well, like I'm not rich, but I have money. So how do I work through that? Like, how do I live with that? I want us to look at like, how we make the most of our finances here. <clears throat> and this is how we honor God with our money. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. It's kind of like that theme verse for this, for this lesson here. It says, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first fruits of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. The idea is, think God first. Don't think you first, think God first. So here's the thing, like this isn't mine. I heard someone else say this and I thought it was interesting. <clears throat> they had a concept where as far as their money, how they use their money, it was 10, 15, 75. So 10% was God's, 15% was for savings and things like that, and 75 was like the things that they were gonna use for their needs. Did God get the most of the money there? Did God get the 75%? No, but he was given priority. His 10% was separate. And whatever the percentage is going to be for you, 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 des you designate that. You figure that out. But think God first. God isn't asking for your whole paycheck. But he's just asking that you make him a priority. He's asking that you think about him first. He's asking that you consider him first. That you honor him first with the first fruits of your, of, of your produce. With the first fruits of your, of your wealth. That you would honor him. So 10, 15, 75, or forever. 5, 15, 80. However you're going to do it, you figure that out. But think God first. The second thing you see there is think blank second. That's not you. Think others second. Think about honoring the Lord with your finances. 
Proverbs chapter 14, verse 31, he says, He who oppresses the poor taunts his maker. That's the opposite of honoring God if you're taunting him. He who oppresses the poor taunts his maker, but he who is gracious to the needy honors him. Same way where Jesus said, I will say in that day, you didn't feed me, you didn't clothe me, and I was in jail and you didn't visit me. And they'll say, well, Master, when were, you in, when were you in need and we didn't help you? And he'll say, whenever you didn't do it to these little ones, you didn't do it to me. And so again, we think God first, and then we think others second. And so we think about how to be gracious to other people, how to help other people. Chapter 21, verse 13, He who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be answered. Chapter 19, verse 17, One who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord. You think about that idea there? Then when you're gracious, when you're generous, it's the same thing as you giving to God. He who is gracious to a poor man lends to the poor, and he, being God, will repay him for his good deed. So think God first. Think others second. This is the third one here. Don't make it your top priority. And if you're writing down, make sure you write top there. Because it has to be a priority. Again, there are just needs that you have. I mean, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, he who doesn't eat, I mean, he who doesn't work, let him not eat. You have to work. God wants you to work. You need money. But it shouldn't be your top priority. We shouldn't draw and just become weary and wear ourselves out trying to get it and trying to obtain it. Notice what he says in chapter 25, verses 4 and 5. He says, Do not weary yourself to gain wealth. Cease from your consideration of it. When you send your eyes on it, it is gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies towards the heaven. Chapter 28, verse 22. A man with an evil eye hastens after wealth and does not know that want will come upon him. Think about why. Like why you shouldn't make it your top priority. Because it won't last. And they won't endure forever. Chapter 27, verse 24. He says, For riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. Again, you think about your first paycheck. Where's that money that you earned on your first paycheck? Do you still have it? It's gone. It doesn't, it doesn't last forever. And so again, you think God first. You think others second. You don't make it your top priority and you don't be stingy if we know what stingy means you're close-fisted close-handed with your money you be generous chapter 23 verses 6 through 8 notice what he says here <clears throat> he says do not eat the bread of a selfish man or desire his or desire his delicacies for as he thinks within himself so he is so he says to you eat and drink but his heart is not with you you will vomit up the morsel you have eaten and waste your compliments. The idea there is, is you're, you're eating with this guy and this guy is treating you to me. He's like, eat, drink, have a good time. But really, he's thinking, I don't want him to have this. I don't want to be sharing. And he's like, there's no value to that. Don't be stingy. That's not a good thing. Think God first. Think others second. Don't make it your top priority. Don't be stingy. 
The last one is in chapter 30, verses 7 through 9. And we read these already, but we'll reread them. Two things I asked of you. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep deceptions and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion, that I may not be full, and deny you and say, Who is the Lord, that I be not in want and steal and profane the name of my God? Think God first. Think others second. Don't make it your top priority. Don't be stingy. And lastly, be content with your daily bread. Be content with your daily bread. As you want to think about making the most of your finances, learn to work with what you got. And learn to honor God with that. Again, out of the three lessons, this, this one might be the, the most dangerous one. Because I feel like this one can draw us away from God. The, the finances and having an incorrect view on God's wisdom on money and God's wisdom on finances can just take us away from Him so quickly. But if we really trust the Lord with all of our hearts, like He says in the very beginning there in chapter 3, if we can learn to trust God with all of our hearts and lean on His understanding and not on our own understanding, if we can acknowledge Him in all of our ways and honor Him with our wealth, it'll go much better for us. Not just in this time, this lifetime, but in the next. We're going to take a break uh, and then we'll come back and have the third session.